0: starts out that he had to go through Samaria. And so on the way through Samaria, Jesus gets tired. He's hungry. He, was, he had a physical body. So he sends his disciples away to get some food. While he's away, he's, he's resting on this, this, um, well, this well. And I think it was Jacob's well. And so this lady comes to draw water. So he enters into a conversation with her. And I'm not going into the entire conversation, but he begins to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You know Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know when he told, uh, I think it was Peter and John, I'm not sure it was who it was, but two of his disciples, to go into the next town, uh, he needed the donkey because he was about to come into Jerusalem. He told them, "Say, go to the next town. There's a donkey tied up. You're going to find it there. Untie it and bring it to me. And if the owner stops you, tell him the master needs it. Can't you just see Peter and John going? They're walking along, and John says to Peter, Peter, I just feel impressed you ought to be the one that takes the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, did Jesus, how didn't Jesus know? You know, Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't believe that, read the second chapter of Philippians. He emptied himself. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Even though he was in the form of God, he did not think that his equality with God was something that he should hold on to, but he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. He gave up his divine privileges. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So he operated in the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed him what to do, when to do it. Isaiah 50-something 50, 50, 50 <laughs> prophesied about that, about Jesus. said, he wakens my morning, my, my ear morning by morning, and he shows me how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. That's a prophet, prophecy about Jesus. Jesus himself said, he said, by myself I can do nothing. I only... Speak what I hear my father telling me to say. And so Jesus operated by the gifts of the Spirit. And so here he is at the, at the well. And so he reads this lady's mail. He tells her she's had five husbands. And so this lady's impressed, and she, she leaves, and she goes to, uh, to her town to tell This man told me everything about me. Surely this is the Messiah. Well, the disciples come back with food. Jesus says something that's really amazing. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Then he said this. He said, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish his work. He said, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish his work. Your food and my food that sustains is to do the will of God and to finish his work. Do you know there's work for you to do? There's work for every member of the body to do. We've got the idea that preachers do it all. No, that's not it. That's the worst model of church that ever existed. What does food do? Food nourishes food strengthens food sustains food satisfies. Do you want to be nourished do you want to be strengthened do you want to be sustained do you want to be satisfied? then get busy. Food sustains you That's just not it doesn't come in any order. Food sustains strengthens nourishes and satisfies and many Christians are unsatisfied you know they they want to they want to just eat but they don't want to put it into practice and that's not healthy and that's not healthy you know there's a there's a verse in Ephesians, the second chapter, uh, the twelfth verse. Uh, At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of providence, having no hope, and without God in the world. Having no hope. that's, that's, That's a statement. There's a lot of people in the world who have no hope. Now that's a statement about The Ephesians, before they knew Christ, they were strangers from the covenants of promise. They were without God. Therefore, they have no hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. So the source of our hope is Jesus and what he says in a relationship with Jesus. See, we, we've got to get rid of this idea of Jesus just out there somewhere. The strength of a relationship is found in communication. If a husband and wife have a good relationship, there's a two-way communication. Many of you are regularly talking to him but are you listening because he talks he talks so the strength of a relationship is communication and so it's in that word to my heart that faith comes and hope comes as well now i want to i want to give you a verse that is just Almost too good to be true, but it's true. And that's Romans 15 verse 13 from the New International Version. May the God of hope, the God of hope, the God of hope, the God of hope. You know, there's many references. He's the God of love. He's the God of peace. He's the God of hope. Uh, So many references to God, that just simply means he's the source. God's the source of hope. Now, may the God of hope, Fill you, fill, fill. This bottle is almost full, fill. Fill. God wants you full. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Trust is another word for faith. Have, Have faith in Him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope. Overflow with hope. To overflow with hope means there's no hopelessness. Yes, that's right. Hopelessness is history. Yeah, now let's talk about by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about living expectantly. In the two and a half hours I have left. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Living expectantly, some of you might say. What good, what good expectations do I have? Well, I don't know all of them, but I, sure, I certainly know some of them. Some of you might say, what hope do I have? What do I have to eagerly look forward to? Well, just a few. First of all, the return of the Lord. The return of the Lord is called... The blessed hope of the church. When's Jesus coming back? When he gets here. And when he gets here, we'll know it. But until then, what did he say? He said, do my work till I come. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples said, Lord, are you going to establish your kingdom now? And Jesus said, that's none of your business. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. One of the primary reasons we have the Holy Spirit is to be his witnesses. A friend of mine in South Africa says Acts 4. 1 verse 8 is a reason why every believer should have a passport. Yes. (laughs) If you're going to make it to the ends of the earth, you've got to have a passport. (laughs) There's many things that we have to look forward to. But I, I, need to, I need to get to the real heart of what I wanted to share with you this evening. I don't have time to look at, but in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, you know, it starts out right after the 11th chapter, seeing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, the race that has set before us. And then verse 2 talks about the joy that is set before us. And then Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about the hope that is set before. There's only six places in the New Testament that phrase set before is found. And those are the three most significant ones. Do you know a race has been set before you? You know, for every race, there's a course. He said, you've got to run it with endurance, it's not a sprint. You've got to run it with endurance we uh, the word patience is there but you know don't ever think patient mean, patience means hang in there patience never means hang in there it does not mean that it means have endurance in order to have endurance you got to be active in order to have patience you got to be active Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're in a race, there's a course. There's a course for you. There's a course for you. I'm 74 years old. There's still a course for me. There's a course for us for as long as we have breath in our bodies. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who first of all, who set the course before you? Father, God set the course before you from before the foundation of the world. He knew the purpose of your life. He knew what you would be doing. He knew what you were for. And he has set a course for each and every one of you. It may or may not be tied to your profession. Your profession is a vehicle so that you can be a person of influence to those people around you for the kingdom of God. That's why you have a profession. But it's sub, it, it is it's not that it's not important but it's not nearly as important as the race the course that God has set for you in your life. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? The joy that was set before Jesus was the restoration of humanity back to the heart of the Father God. It's the same joy that's set before us. It's not right that we have this wonderful salvation So many people around us, we have to believe this. I want to tell you something. Jesus did not come and die just as a nice gesture. Jesus came and died because it was required to save people from divine judgment and the wrath of God. Anybody who dies without Jesus will live forever in everlasting torment. And if you don't believe that, Then you can just burn this because there are 4,000 references to it in the scripture. Not that many, but there's a bunch. (laughs) In other words, the world around us is lost. The kingdom of God will not come through the Democrats or the Republicans or the independents or any other system of this world. The kingdom of God comes through a church. That is wired and geared to the creator of the universe. And then quickly, the sixth chapter of Hebrews. The first several verses. Actually, not starting with the first verse, but it starts with... uh, I forget which verse it starts with... (laughs) The first several verses, except for those first three or four talking about the foundations. It talks about people who once walked with God. But they apostatized. They walked away from God. And the Lord says this. In verse 9. Beloved or but beloved. In other words, that was their condition. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. You know, we use the term backsliding. I like to use the term sliding back. I'm not opposed to using backsliding. But look at it like this. If you're climbing a hill, and on day one you get here, and day two you get here, and day three you get here, and day four you find yourself here, and day five here, what'd you do? You slid back. Backsliding is you're not making progress anymore. You're regressing. So the first part of that chapter is talking about backsliding. He says, I have confidence, concerning better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you minister to the saints and do minister. Did you know God is not unjust? He gives credit where credit is due. And listen to verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And that you not become sluggish. I wonder if it's possible to take a radar gun and hold it to a slug (laughs) and have it register anything. I doubt it. Have you ever seen a slug? You know, you can see a slug on the sidewalk, and if he stays on the sidewalk, he's going to fry. You know that in the summertime. But if he's here now, you come back in about two hours, and he'll be there. So we don't need to be sluggish. Another translation says slothful. Sloths are not real fast or energetic either. So we're not to be like the slug or the sloth, But we're to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, when I'm talking about promises, I'm not talking about selfish promises. I mean, God wants to bless you beyond your socks. I tell you, he wants to bless your socks off. He wants to bless you. You know, he he really does want to bless you. Do you want to bless your kids? Or do you want to just dress your kids in rags the rest of your life? No, God wants to bless you. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking talking about kingdom promises. You have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And that inheritance in Christ Jesus is like what, what was Jesus' inheritance? The nations. The nations. The nations. The word nations in the Hebrew and the Greek, it means people groups. The word nations in the, in, the, uh, in the Greek is ethnos, where we get ethnicities. Our inheritance is really not our inheritance, but it's the inheritance for the Lord. Yeah. The only thing we can take to heaven are those that we have won to Christ. That's right. That's right. I don't have time to read the rest of it, but it's talking about God swore to Abraham, and then he made an oath. He says, by two unchangeable things, in which is impossible for God to lie, he promised Abraham. He said, leave your family, leave your father's house, go to a land I will show you. You talk about living by faith. Go to a land I will show you. He says, Abraham went out not knowing where he went. But he said, I promise to bless you. I promise to give you uh, the nations as your inheritance. Galatians 3 says if you belong to Christ then you too are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. And getting down now to verse 18. God did this. God gave a promise and an oath. He did this so that by two unchangeable things a promise and an oath in which it's impossible for God to lie We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us. To take hold of the hope that is set before us. Hope has been set before you. But you've got to take hold of it. May be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. The soul is the mind, the will and the emotions. Hope, expectation, great expectation in God keeps my soul anchored from all the craziness that's going on. What are you feeding on? What am I feeding on? What you feed on will either build your hope or destroy your hope. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on in the world around us. Always has been. It's only getting crazier. Don't try to figure it out. It's simple. (laughs) Man is sinful. And man creates new ideas about how to be sinful. It's just simple. And there's a solution. Jesus Christ. Not just coming to Jesus through a decision, but coming to Jesus Christ, starting with a decision, and then following Him wherever He goes, being raised up as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. That's what brings us to a place of stability. That's what builds expectancy in us. And if you are a person who wants to live expectantly, then the answer is found every single day in that relationship that you have with God and that you have with others in the body of Christ. Christ. Did you know God's not building you as a monolithic stone? He's building us all as living stones into a spiritual house. You cannot grow by yourself. If you, if you think just by coming to church and attending you're growing, you're not. The Bible calls us a body with many parts. Right. And just like my body, no part can get along, get along by itself. Each part has got to be connected properly. Yeah. It's essential for development and growth and for effectiveness in the earth. Yeah. So I hope tonight has encouraged you. There is a way to not diminish in hope. And that is to keep hearing what God is saying and keep doing what God is saying. Lay hold of that hope and realize that living expectantly based on what God says, not just coming up with some idea to live expectantly by, but God's word builds hope in me. God's word gives me expectation for the future. And that will anchor your soul and keep it from drifting and being buffeted about By all the nonsense. Let's pray. Father I ask in Jesus name. Lord I ask in Jesus name. By the spirit of the living God. For encouragement. To come. To each individual. That they would take hold of what you have said. And that, Lord, each of us would walk this out. It's not enough just to hear a message, to get excited about it. But, Lord, you, you said very early in this message, you want us to overflow with hope. And to that end, I pray tonight, Lord God,